Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, C-suite executive turned leadership coach. And today we are talking about catalytic leadership. And we are joined by guest, one of my favorite people, William Attaway. And he is a leadership executive mindset coach, and he helps leaders lead intentionally. And right now he's working with entrepreneurs on finding their sweet spot, how their skills align, and really defining what success or what winning means to them in a whole bunch of different areas and ways. So you'll hear all about that and more in our conversation today. A little bit about William. He has served in local church ministry for over 25 years. He holds a PhD, not too shabby, in the Old Testament. And fun fact, worked two seasons on the team uh, at a team in an archaeological dig in Tal El Haman in Jordan. And today he loves to read and speak about leadership, organizational change, and building up people and teams. He's a best-selling author, and his book, Catalytic Leadership, is available on Amazon. And he lives in Northern Virginia with his wife, Charlotte, and their two daughters. And with that, here's the conversation with William. William, how are you doing? I am great, Emily. How about you? I'm doing amazing. It's Friday right now on a short week. So um, it's the weekend again. So <laughs> we'll do it that is. over. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining. I I saw your, your uh, meeting invite on the calendar and it brought a smile to my face when I saw that today. So thank you for joining. I'm super excited about speaking with you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Well, let's jump right in. So let's get us started with what is catalytic leadership? You know, it comes out of out a part of my story, Emily. Actually, when I was when I went to college, I went as a pharmacy major. I had worked in a pharmacy in high school and thought this would be a great way to to really invest people and serve people, invest in them. Uh, I got through the first year of chemistry, got to the second year and discovered that I don't really want to spend the rest of my life doing that. That was not uh, not. I had my the same area. experience with my chemistry <laughs> class. Yes, <laughs> you get to organic, and that's kind of the point. People wash out, and uh, hey, I washed right out. So it worked. <laughs> it, it, it fulfilled its purpose. But in my brief chemistry studies, I discovered what's called a catalyst and the power of a catalyst. A catalyst is something that you introduce into a mixture to incite or to accelerate significant change or action. And at that point, I had been a student of leadership for a handful of years, and I thought, man, you know, every great leader that I have ever studied or have ever learned from, they would resonate with that. You know, somebody that, that gets in and either incites or accelerates significant change. And so that's been part of what I have been studying for these last few decades, is what makes a leader catalytic, what makes their leadership catalytic, where they make a difference through how they lead. That's awesome. Yeah. And I always, you know, I talk about uh, coaching as being a catalyst. So people think like, oh, you tell people what to do. And it's like, no, 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 I, I'm help, I help you figure out what, what to do and the best way to do it. So I love that. I love that definition. So um, my philosophy on leadership and just people in general is everyone has their unique talents or skill sets or gifting or whatever you want to call it, their own inclinations. And, you know, people intuitively can look around and say, okay, yes, that person is meant to be a musician or they're meant to be an athlete or, you know, they're meant to be whatever, a scientist leader, whatever. Um, and I'm wondering how, how you look at that, that unique set of traits um, and, and entrepreneurs, because, you know, you have to have a lot of drive, passion, belief in yourself and a belief in a mission or idea so much that you're willing to do that gut load of risk and go out and do it yourself. So talk to me a little bit about how, 
catalytic leadership works with people's unique skill sets and becoming an entrepreneur? Now, I call that your wiring. And that's that's how you are designed, how you are gifted. All of the skills, the passions, the talents, the things you've learned how to do, all of that contributes along with your personality into your wiring. The problem is most of us, when we started out in leadership, whether it's you know corporate leadership like where you were or entrepreneurial leadership, wherever you start out, the, the tendency is to want to mimic leaders that you admire. Mm. You see traits in them. And you think, okay, I want to be more like that. That's what leadership looks like. And you begin to try to mold yourself to where you fit that mold. The the problem with that is you're not being true to your own wiring because you don't know your wiring. And what I try to do when I'm coaching leaders is to help them discover their wiring. What are the passions, the skills, the talents? What, what, What are the personality types and traits that make you, you? Now, let's learn what leadership looks like coming from that place where you can be authentically you and a leader at the same time. I really resonate with that because early in my career, when I was going to lead a team meeting for the first time, I went on uh, I went on YouTube and I watched like a whole bunch of uh, like raw, raw halftime speeches from movies and these big like Tony <laughs> Robbins type people. And I got in there, man, and I was ready with my huge speech. And everyone was looking at me like, whoa, like this is a team meeting. Let's calm down. <laughs> uh, and and I was like, oh, that's not how you want to do it. Cause I was I was the intention was good, right? Absolutely. But I was like, I was like, that's not how you do it. And I was trying, to your point, I was trying to mimic or copy someone else. And at that point, I wasn't confident enough to rely on my own skills and believe, oh, I as Emily could lead this team meeting. I have to go try to mimic someone else. So yeah, that's that's really funny. We've all done that. You know, we've all done that. That's where we start. And that's okay. That's normal. The problem is when we stay there. Mm. You know, if you were still trying to do that, even after getting no response, you were just trying to force it. (laughs) Well, you're not being authentic to who you are. And ultimately, over time, you can end up becoming a bad copy of a great leader. Mm, Yeah. Better be an original copy of yourself. Yeah. And and there's that old saying, I forget what it's who said it originally, but it's like, there's only going to be one you. So no one else can be you. And you're really good at that. You don't have to do anything. So that's right. (laughs) I love that. Awesome. So how do you help entrepreneurs or anyone find um, their leadership style? Because it's it's so important before you can go out and make all these big changes and make a difference and be a catalyst, you have to know yourself and know what you're about. So how do you help with that? I use several different assessments to help get a sense of a leader at the beginning of my of my work with them. So I'll use things, you know, like the Myers-Briggs, like the DISC, or a newer one uh, that many people aren't familiar with yet that Patrick Lencioni's table group has come up with called the Working Genius. Uh, these assessments all give you a different picture of who a leader is, what motivates them, what their personality style and type is. And from that point, that's a great starting point because then we have some, we have some, some blocks we can use as we begin to build a picture of what your unique wiring is. The conversations after that are going to dive into what are the, what are the areas that have really made you who you are? What are those formative catalytic moments in your life? Let's talk through those because that's going to help flesh out that picture more. And I'm going to get a better picture. Now, now it's not just broad strokes. Now we're starting to put some definition on the painting. Now I can start to see some shadows. And over time, through stories, they're going to tell me exactly what their wiring is if I'm listening. 
And so many people want to be good leaders and they want to throw themselves into something and, and be fulfilled and have purpose and all those things. And they just don't know how. They don't know where to start or they don't know. They can't see it for themselves. And I was, it was so funny you were mentioning this. I was just literally talking to someone right before this. And they said, well, I, you know, talking about imposter syndrome and who am I to like go tell people. I'm like, look, you know, you have your unique set of experiences and that could be hugely valuable to someone. It could be like, you know, ho-hum for, for you, but to someone else, that could be a huge value add or an insight or an aha moment. And so don't discount all these stories that you have that make you a good leader or make you valuable um, to someone else. So that's great. And then for entrepreneurs, uh, there comes kind of an inflection point. So let's say someone understands who they are as a leader, does your assessments, has someone like you listen to them and, and replay or feedback what they're hearing, and they do start their own business. And then it grows. It's successful. And then they get to that tipping point where they hire a whole bunch of people. And it's like, oh, I have to be a people manager and a leader of people. Right. And it's like, I have a room full of people looking at me and I didn't sign up for this. What do you say to those people at that point? Good luck. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's exactly the story of so many of the entrepreneurs that I work with. They they come into the situation because they're good at something. They're good at SaaS or they're good at delivering this product or this service. And people hire them and they get more business and they eventually have to hire team members to help with fulfillment. And then they're looking to you to lead. You didn't sign up for that. You left the corporate world. You didn't want to be the boss, right? You wanted to do your own thing. But now you're the leader. Now what? Well, nobody gets better accidentally. <laughs> and this is this is a key piece of what I do. Nobody gets better accidentally. And it is incredibly hard to see the entire picture when you're in the frame. What you need is you need somebody on the outside who's going to help you to see what you can't see. They're going to help you to see your blind spots. They're going to help you to see where you need to lean in or maybe where you need to back off. And that's the value of a coach, somebody who has a, a totally outside perspective who has no skin in the game, so to speak, but who is for you, who is going to cheer you on, who's going to help you have the conversations you need to have and ask you questions that maybe nobody else in your life will ask you. And you talk about leading intentionally, which I think is great. So leading by design instead of default. And how do you, and sometimes that involves um, leading intentionally with yourself and even taking yourself out of the equation sometimes. Yes. So being self-aware of like, hey, I'm the one who's the bottleneck or I'm the one who's not adding value in this phase, in this stage of the business anymore. And I have to do something different. So just talk a little bit about that. Is it a mindset shift? Is it, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do some practical, tactical, or even logistic, logistic things to remove myself from a situation? What does that look like? I think it's all of the above, Emily. I think Marshall Goldsmith's book, you know, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Yep. I think that is so practical and so helpful because that is exactly the advice so many entrepreneurs need. What got them to this point of success is not going to take them farther. They have to change. They have to change starting with their mindset. Their mindset is what drives everything else. They change that. They begin to see new things there. That's going to result in behavioral change over time if it's truly a mindset shift. Too often, they're trying to call the same plays. Mm. And the problem is those plays aren't effective and they're failing again and again and again, but they keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And our friends at AA have a word for that, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's insanity. insanity. Don't do that. <laughs> and again, this is where you need somebody who's going to help you see that. 
Because so often what I find is that that entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, they're doing it again and again, and they're expecting something to change, but they don't see that because they're too close to it. It's hard to see that when you're in it. Yeah. I, I imagined if you're literally, you know, inches away from a painting, you can't see what that is, but if you zoom out, you can see the whole picture literally. Okay. Exactly okay. right. Okay. And then, you know, there's this sense of an entrepreneur goes and does their own thing because they have this sense of, at the end of the day, joy. They want something exciting and enjoyable and purposeful and all these things. How do you help someone find that uh, joy in these different stages where, hey, I got into it because I wanted to be the entrepreneur. I wanted to be like working 18 hours a day, maybe. I wanted to be having this new vision or bringing this new thing to market that no one else has thought of. And now it's shifting. So talk a little bit about how people can can bring more joy or create more joy in whatever they're doing. You know, that's really a conversation around what, what fills your tank. Is starting a new thing, is that what fills your tank? Like, it's, it's really in the starting. It's not the maintaining. It's not the running. It's the starting. Is that what it is? And this is a conversation that I'll have. And we'll begin to explore that and kind of poke at it a little bit to see if that's where that joy is hiding. Uh, because if that's what fills your tank and you're in maintenance mode, well, that's going to feel draining to you because you're not doing what it is that you're wired to do. You're not going to experience the level of joy that you would if you were able to devote more of your best hours to that. You got to define your win. You got to figure out what is the win for you, how you are wired, what your goals are, what fills your tank, what fires you up, what makes you roll out of bed, just ready to tackle the day. And what is it that makes you think, do I have to get up? Do I have to go do that one more time? If you understand those things and you can clearly identify them, that's going to help you craft the win for your next days going forward in a way that you might not ever have. I love the phrase, define your win. And what I'm hearing, what I'm picking up, William, is do the work up front on really knowing what you're about and how you're wired and all those things, because it feeds into all these different things afterward. And you know, in the example I gave, I've I've worked with entrepreneurs who their win is zero to like 50. Like they don't want to, they don't want the maintenance part. They don't even want the setup or scale part. They want like zero to 50. And so they, yeah. they do that serially. They go and they start like these visions and sometimes they have it themselves. And sometimes they pair with people who, um, who can help them get it off the ground, but that's their sweet spot and that's their win. And they kind of like operating at the edge of chaos and that they just know that about themselves. It's like, great, go do that. Um, go do that. Awesome. What other questions? I, I'm thinking of an entrepreneur who, you know, how do we really balance family stuff or outside of work pursuits and still being really engaged and really driven in, in, our, in our job, in quotes? No, balance is a fun word, and it? it sounds like that there's this magical point where everything is just <laughs> right and everything is even and level. Yeah, and that's a cute myth. I'm not sure that that ever <laughs> really exists outside of a laboratory setting, right? Mm -hmm. This this idea that that everything can be balanced and nothing is tipping anywhere. That's just not reality. That's not life, in my experience, or any of the clients that I've coached. That's not their experience either. What are we trying to find here? We're trying to make sure that we're not tipping too far in any direction. 
I've watched and have worked with many entrepreneurs and business leaders in particular who will overwork thinking that more hours equals more results. Mm. That's not a that's not true. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> true. And and we need to pop that bubble and we need to quit thinking that we're going to be different. Although I'll be different. For me, that is going to be true. May not be true for anybody else. Okay, that that's just a myth. You're not that right? more hours does not equal more results. That's right. You're not that special. It does not equal better results. Uh, so if we understand that, that's going to help us understand we need to set a reasonable expectation. When it comes to your family, this this is a critical piece of what I talk about often. The importance of remembering what matters most in your life. At the end of the day, somebody is going to sit in the chair that I sit in, right? One day, somebody else is going to sit in that chair. It's not going to be me. At some point in my life, then what? Then what? It's the relationships that matter most that are going to be there then. Why would I not be investing in them intentionally now with that end in mind? Too many people will sacrifice their family on the altar of work and success and results. Is that really the success and the results that you want? If you have to sacrifice the most important relationships in your life, this is a matter of determining and defining your win. What is your win when it comes to those closest to you? For me, I'll tell you, my relationship with my wife, with my daughters, these are critical pieces of my win. And that's going to that's gonna define, that's the, the glasses I'm going to look through, the lenses I'm going to look through when I'm going to determine what my win is. I'm not willing to sacrifice those relationships on the altar of success or results. Whatever that is, yeah. Whatever that is, exactly. But you have to make that determination. Once you do, once you define that, now this becomes, this becomes an anchor point. And I'm not going to move from that. But you have to start with defining it. Too many people don't. Thank you for that. And I also think that people often put these two things in contention with each other. You can you can mm. either have this or that. Yes. You can't have both. And I yes. feel like, you know, for a lot of people, um, and a lot of people I work with, I, I say what you have said, or I say it, you know, paraphrase it, and they still rail against it. They're like, no, 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 I have to do this. And right. so what I what I talk to them about is, hey, when you are are doing something outside of work and not related to your work, like such as spending time with your family or like I had a client go kayak with his kids, um, yeah, it's valuable time. Your subconscious is working on the work yes. stuff. Yes. And and stepping away yes. is actually good for it. You have creative ideas in that in that space. And so, you know, for him, um, that clicked. He was like, okay, like absolutely, let me go build these times in. And, you know, that did it for him at the time, which is which is totally great. And understand that to your point, the quality, not the quantity, not the hours you spend, but the quality of work and the quality of ideas you have is more important. And a lot of times in order to get that quality, you have to step away. And distract yourself and give your mind a break and it'll still be working on it. And it'll, when you come back to it and focus on it, it'll have these great ideas you never would have gotten to had you just plowed through. So true. Whenever I get stuck, like I'm writing and I just I hit a point where I, I just can't break through to what's next or I'm wrestling with a problem or an issue with a client and I'm trying to think through how can I help God to do that? And I just get stuck. The solution is not to work more hours. The solution is to do exactly what Jesus said, remove yourself. That's when I'll go for a walk. That's when I'll go do something with my kids. 
That's when I'll go do something with my wife. Why? Because I'm removing myself. And you're exactly right. The subconscious will continue working on that problem and you will find a point of solution. Typically, when you come back after a break, oh, it's right there in front of me. I can't believe I didn't see that before. That's the, that's the subconscious. And I've had, I've had clients who, like, I'm like, what do you do to relax? Are you an active relaxer? Do you like to sit on the couch? And I have someone who likes um, skydiving, and you couldn't get me in a plane <laughs> to whatever. But <laughs> wow, he was like, when I'm skydiving, I cannot think of anything else. I was like, that makes sense because you're jumping sense. out of a plane. Yes. So <laughs> your brain is trying to keep you alive. Um, so like whatever does it for you. And, you know, at a much smaller scale, when I'm at the gym and I'm like yeah. squatting or deadlifting or whatever, my body is 100% trying to like keep me alive. Like let this thing not crush her and, and right. for survival. And so it can't think about anything else. However, one time when I was deadlifting, I had like a solution to a work issue. Oh, literally popped up and I stopped. And I was like, oh, and people around me like turned and looked. And I was like, nope, like I just I've just thought of something. And I wrote it down on my phone. And I was like, oh, that's it. So, I mean, I can I can testify to this myself. It absolutely just takes your brain out of it and then kind of puts it back in in a good way. So awesome. love that. Yeah. And I think the other side of it, too, is, um, you know, if you neglect your home life or your family or friends or what have you, that also affects your work stuff. So it affects how you show up if, you know, these, th it, it, it does impact it in that sense. So can you talk a little bit about, about that and how you've seen that show up? Uh, this is an idea that we inherited, I believe, from the ancient Greeks, this, this idea that you can compartmentalize your life right? <laughs> and that what happens in one part of your life is not going to affect what happens over here. What happens at home doesn't affect what happens at work and vice versa. And what happens with your kids doesn't affect your marriage and et cetera. Okay. Well, that's a cute myth, uh, but it's just that. Uh, it's, it is not true. It's another thing we need to pop and say, this is not going to be how I'm going to arrange and live my life. Your life is not compartmented. Every part touches every other part and every part bleeds over into all the other parts. Everything affects everything. You are an integrated being where all the parts are integrated. That's what it means to live a life of integrity where all the parts are touching and everything is lined up. This idea that we can compartmentalize this part is not going to affect anything else. We got to get rid of that idea. We got to understand that if, if one part is in trouble, if one part is bleeding, we need to address that and we need to understand it's going to have an impact everywhere else. There's no getting around it. That's a powerful analogy. If one part is bleeding, you can't just cut it off. Yeah, I, right? Yeah. It's, uh, you wouldn't try to do that with, with your health. With your, your body. body, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really curious. I, I've run into people who use the word compartmentalize and they brag about how good they are about compartmentalizing. Oh, I can shut that off. When I walk through the doors of the office, boom, I'm like this person now. What would you say to someone like that? I would say the human capacity for self-deception is pretty much limitless in my experience. Wow. Truly. I mean, I, you may think you're good at that. And on a conscious level, you may be able to push that down and put that in a box, but it's not happening on the subconscious level. And guess what affects everything? <laughs> Your subconscious. Yeah. It's a holistic approach, isn't it? It's, it is. uh, yeah. Being, There's I like no the getting around that. You can't just coach mm -hmm. in one area of somebody's life, yeah. right? It's a holistic approach. You can't just say, well, we'll just deal with this <laughs> and not think about all these other parts that really are affecting it. I mean, I guess you could try that. It it feels um, ineffective. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm an executive leadership coach for business leaders and people often, you know, in like the first five to 10 sessions are like, actually, like, do you deal with this stuff? And they mentioned, I'm like, yes, because it's life and it's all connected. So absolutely. Yes. We can talk about that. So yeah. Oh my gosh. So good. Um, what other advice? I know you have your book, Catalytic Leadership, um, and I would recommend that to anyone. Pick it up. It has the 12 uh, traits of, of a catalytic leader. Yes. And tell us a little bit about what that is and what people can get from picking up that book. You know, Emily, I've been, I've been coaching leaders now for a couple of decades, uh, pushing 25 years. And what the book is, is I wanted to capture the threads that I see running through so many of those conversations. You've got hundreds of leaders in so many different fields from, from business, CEO, C-suite types, uh, to solopreneurs, from, from military to educators. Uh, you know, all across the board, there are threads, though, that connect all of those conversations. And so what I did in the book is capture 12 of those threads. 12 things that I see consistent in the leaders who are truly moving into a catalytic space in their leadership. What are those 12 keys? That's what I've captured in the book. So this is really a summary of what I've learned so far in coaching leaders. Awesome. And then how does someone know if if uh, if they're a catalytic leader or not? I suppose read the book, but also, oh, I'm in this leadership position, but yet I don't feel I'm making a difference. I'm kind of, I kind of feel stagnant. How do, how do you say, okay, like, yes, you have more, you have more in you or like, no, you're in the, in the wrong environment or external things are affecting you. How do you help someone determine that? Well, you just touched on so many different things and they're all true. Your environment affects how you lead. It affects how effectively you lead. The people that you spend time with, the physical environments that you're in, the inputs that you're allowing into your life, are you learning constantly? The one non-negotiable that I come back to again and again, the one non-negotiable to have a truly catalytic leadership experience is a teachable spirit. And that is you are constantly in learning mode. There's never a point where you believe, you know, I got this. I got this. I don't really need to learn anything else. <laughs> truly catalytic leaders never say that. They never get there. They are constantly learning. They understand that there is no such thing as a wasted experience, that you can learn something from anybody. Sometimes you learn what not to do. But that can be incredibly valuable, right? If you're teachable, if you have that teachable spirit. And so that is the, that's the one non-negotiable for any client I'm going to work with. If I go through the discovery call with them and I see that there is not a teachable spirit here, I'm going to turn them down. And I've done that more than once because they think they already know all they need to know. Then why are you talking to me? (laughs) If you already know what you need to know, then we're done. (laughs) Yeah. If I, if you run into anyone who says leadership, I got this, I got that. I know right. it like run far away. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after the last three years. Oh truly. my goodness. I mean, yeah. I think this season has taught all of us the importance of adaptability and innovation and that we don't know maybe as much as we thought we knew three years ago. Well, it's evolving and changing too, right? It's never like, oh, check, I got leadership, rubber stamp. It's like, no, you got to keep. And even if you do, you know, you're an awesome leader, great. You can still fine tune and and work to get better and improve in these ways, nuance and all of that. So awesome. Um, And then just tell us a little bit about people you work with. You mentioned like military and different uh, industries and aspects. Is there a specific group of people you work with in particular or pretty much across the board as long as they have a teachable spirit? You know, I've worked with, with, with people in all of those different industries. These days, I focus with entrepreneurs, uh, with agency owners, marketing agency owners, uh, and entrepreneurial leaders who get to that point where they, they, they know they have more in them. They know there's more potential, 
but how do I get there? They can't see what they can't see. And so I'll work specifically with them to help them get from where they are to where they know they can be. And listen to that, guys. You can't see what you can't see. And helping having someone help you define your win is huge because then everything points to that and all the decisions um, can point to that and it makes things easier. So, um, William, thank you so much for joining. Where can people find you? Where can people pick up your book if they want to know more? Absolutely. So you can go to catalyticleadership.net to find out more about the coaching that I do. You can connect with me on LinkedIn to find out more about what I'm learning these days. I share a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, and for your listeners, Emily, I'd love to offer them a free copy of the book. Uh, if they go to catalyticleadershipbook.com and they're willing to pay the shipping charges so I can get it to them, we'll put a paperback copy of that book in their hands. Awesome. We will have all that information in the show notes. And once again, William, thank you so much for being on. It was a pleasure to speak with you. And I'm sure that the knowledge you shared with people is going to really help them out. So thank you. I hope so, Emily. It's been such a joy to be here. Thanks again for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 